Mike Donahue is the Executive Director of Catholic Charities. Catholic Charities is the greatest private provider of social services in this area. They serve in faith to Jesus Christ, and they serve people of all faiths. This is going to be good. So keep your radio right here at 1350 AM and 103.9 FM, or keep us on your phone with the Veritas mobile app. You can get the app at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or at VeritasCatholic.com. And Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by a grant from Foundations in Faith. Foundations in Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad and the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Okay, here we go. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I'm Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, good afternoon, my friend. Afternoon, Excellency. We have a lot to talk about. We have a lot. Today, Yes, we do. it's one guest, but there's a lot of stuff. So I guess I'll just jump right into it. Yeah. Um, Before I introduce him, I have to admit that our guest today, I actually really personally admire and look up to him because he's so smart and faithful and he is a butt kicker professionally, gave up his big time Wall Street job to do more for the church. And truly, he is one of the kindest people that I know. So Mike Donahue is the executive director of Catholic Charities of Fairfield County. Before he joined Catholic Charities in 2019, he helped found and build the high yield bond and distressed debt trading business at Morgan Stanley. And then he went to Phoenix Investment Advisor, where he was president for about a dozen years. Mike has been and continues to be involved with many good works, including St. Catherine's Academy, Supportive Housing Works, Legatus, the Darien Challenger Baseball League, and many others. Of course, including the Order of Malta, where he and his lovely wife, Cece, are like Mr. and Mrs. Malta. (laughs) Most importantly, of course, Mike is husband to Cece and father to five wonderful children. Mike, thanks sincerely for being a role model and for being here on Let Me Be Frank. Well, thank you, Steve, for those very, very kind words. Uh, I don't think deserved, but uh, very kind of you to say. So I'm, I'm very happy to be here, and I really appreciate you asking me to join you today. I'm delighted, Mike, that you're here. And you're doing a great job, fantastic job at Catholic Charities, which we're going to get into in a moment. Two things, though, to start off. I, it's been four years since you've come to Catholic Charities. Is that right? Well, really three and a half, Bishop Frank, but it's been yeah. a blessing and an honor, that's for sure. Wow, the time gone by awfully fast. Jeez. And you've accomplished a lot in three and a half years. So we're going to talk about that. That's number one. Number two, uh, Steve alluded to the fact of being involved with Malta. And you and Cece were the, the local chairs, right, of the, of the order here in the diocese uh, until recently. So you went back to Lourdes. The whole order went back to Lourdes. You're just back about a couple of days. So tell us, what was that experience? What did you find? Give us the lowdown. Sure. Happy to talk about that. Always love to talk about the Order of Malta. And just for some listeners who are not familiar with the Order of Malta, because not everyone is, 
the Order of Malta is a lay religious order that's been around for over 900 years. Um, but the charism of the order is to, to give witness to the Catholic faith through service to the sick and the poor. Um, and in Connecticut, we have one of the, the largest groups within the order and uh, support a lot of local ministries, things like Malta House that uh, many people know about, m many Catholic charities ministries, very organization called the Partnership to End Human Trafficking. So, so Malta is a local organization, but our signature work over the course of the year is to uh, is a pilgrimage to Lourdes, France, uh, where we take 50 malades. Uh, malade is the French word for sick, so it's it tends to be 50, you know, relatively sick people with many different um, maladies. So it's the malade and a caregiver it might be the husband or the wife or the the parent of a child. And we go to Lourdes for a week. Um, and Lourdes is an absolutely beautiful, gorgeous, spiritual place in the, mm -hmm. in the Pyrenees Mountains, uh, obviously where uh, you know, the, the Blessed Mother appeared to, uh, to St. Bernadette. Uh, there's a beautiful grotto, a beautiful cathedral there. And uh, we hadn't gone for the last three years because of... Um, uh, because of COVID. Uh, so this was really the first time back. Um, and we had a, a fantastic trip. Um, Cardinal Dolan was with us on the trip this year. Um, our local chaplain is Bishop Frank, who comes with us many years, wasn't able to come this year. Hopefully we'll come next year. But um, just a, an amazing trip. It's, it's always hard to describe because it's so spiritually nourishing. And, you know, over the years, um, you know, there's been 70 documented miracles of people who have gone to Lourdes and received healing. But everyone that goes, if they're not physically healed, they receive some sort of spiritual healing. And we certainly found that again in our malads and the caregivers. It's just as important for the caregivers to come back spiritually ref refreshed and able to attack whatever malady and sickness and mm -hmm. trials mm -hmm. and tribulations that they're going through. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a combination of spirituality, service, and and I would say, um, you know, socializing with lots of people who are very faithful Catholics. So it was um, mm -hmm. it was an outstanding trip, and um, happy to be able to mm -hmm. attend. And we missed you, Bishop Frank, but hopefully you'll yeah, come. Yeah, I'm next. sorry for, for everybody's knowledge. I I try faithfully to go, but this year I was conflicted because on the Saturday, in the middle Saturday, of the entire event was when my little Gina, my great niece, received First Holy Communion from me, for the record, from me. Fantastic. So I love going to Lourdes and the Order, but, you know, Gina comes first. Sorry. <laughs> it's just, our lady is always here anyway, so our lady understood. But next year, it's on my calendar, so I will Good. be there. Family first, Bishop. Yeah, totally I will understand. be there. Tremendous. How many people went, Mike, all together this year? Um, so I think it was about 350 people. Um so be, oh, great. in addition to the malads and the caregivers, we bring sort of a traveling hospital of doctors and nurses yeah, and yeah, sure. uh, many clergy members, uh, but also lots of helpers like myself who have no medical training, but just go there for support and to, to mm -hmm. serve the sick for, mm -hmm. for an entire mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. The most beautiful, not to go too far afield because we want to talk about Catholic charities, but the most beautiful experience I remember having the very first time I went 
was it was very early in the morning and at the grotto, there were only two other people there. It was completely empty because usually lots of people, right? Yes. Who want to come. And it was such a beautiful moment with Our Lady. It's tremendous. Either early okay. in the morning or late at late night. Late at night. But at late midnight, at night is not my cup of tea. So that's, forget <laughs> it. <laughs> I'd fall asleep there. No, it was much better in the morning. Anyway, okay. So my first question to you, my friend, is the question I ask everyone. Tell us about, to the extent that you're comfortable, your your faith journey. Because you're an extraordinarily faithful man, active in the church with CC. So how did you get that? Like, how did you get that way? Where, <laughs> Well, lots, lots of reasons, I think. Um, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to grow up in a very faith-filled family. Um, I grew up with, in a very Irish Catholic family from central Massachusetts. Um, uh, you know, I'm a product of Catholic education. Um, I went to St. Mary's Grammar School in Shrewsbury, Mass., taught by the Sisters of Notre Dame. And uh, then St. John's High School in, in Shrewsbury, Mass., which was Zavarian Brothers., but was kind of taught early on to be a man for others. So that was my initial education in the faith. Um, you know, I, I think I like to describe myself. I'm, my faith has always been kind of focused in terms of faith and action. Um, I would never sort of describe myself as a great theologian, although I hope I am a student of the faith. But, but re- what really appeals to me is to put that faith into action. And I, and I think, you know, my family dynamic had a lot to do with that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm one of five, as Steve mentioned earlier. Um, my oldest sister has special needs. So she was the oldest. I was number two in family. And she had a, a rare disease that was called PKU. And so um, although she was born normal, it was a genetic disease that eventually caused, you know, brain damage. And still to this, you know, she can't read, she can't write. Um but she was an amazing teacher and part of our family. Um, although intellectually, um, you know, she had her limitations just emotionally and in so many ways, she was just an incredible influence on me. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I had some great teachers at lots of good schools, but I learned more from my sister Kathy than probably anyone in my life. Um, she never judges anyone by how much money they make or what they look like or, but it's all, you know, if they're a good person who treats people well, she likes them. And if they're mean and not nice, she doesn't like them. And uh, mm-hmm. again, just uh, been such an amazing um, role model in a certain way and influence. And, and that, in addition to my, my mom and dad, um, you know, my mom uh, was, is an, an incredible person um, who was just always about helping others. Um, you know, to be a mom of five and have the oldest be a special needs child, um, you know, created lots of extra work and lots of extra stress. But my mom was committed that Kathy's life was going to be the same as uh, as all of ours. So our home was always filled with her special needs friends or Down syndrome friends or friends with special needs. And it, uh, you know, I just learned so much, I think, uh, from all of those friends of my sisters and just the way, you know, my mom treated each and every human being as a child of God and treated them all the same. Um, You know, her favorite phrase was always, 
there but for the grace of God go I. Oh, I. And, you know, I grew up in a family that had lots of love and lots of, uh, you know, great faith. But whenever we would encounter someone who was struggling or in trouble, you know, despite all the things my mom had on her plate, she always tried to find a way of how can I help that person? How can we do, can we get them a meal? Can we help them? Can we do something in that way? And that, that always had a, such an influence on me um, throughout my life. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also blessed and lucky enough to have married a woman who's a lot like my mom, that, that is always the same way in trying to help uh, you know, anyone in need. And um, it's, uh, you know, really pushed me throughout my life. So, so my, my faith journey, I would say, has always been focused on faith in action. You know, there's a quote that always resonates with me from Mother Teresa, where she says, you know, at the end of life, we'll not be judged by how many diplomas we have received, how much money we have made, how many great things we've done. We'll be judged by, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me and I was homeless and you took me in. So um, again, I, I've been blessed in, in, in my life and um, I've, you know, I, I think the the work that Jesus asks us to do those those of us who have been blessed and have received many talents really need to share those talents um, with. And you uh, have many talents, my friend. So you were super successful in business, and you entered into the nonprofit world. So who led you to make that decision? Like, what what was your thinking, and how do you see them as compatible, and how do you see them as different? Now that you're the head of Texas. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so, so, you know, I did have a successful Wall Street career. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed the work that I did. Uh, but but all throughout that, there was there was always something that was a little bit missing. You know, I, you know, through that work, you know, look, I hope I helped my clients and I was honest with my clients and um, enjoyed the teams that I worked with and the people that I managed but, but I always felt like something was missing and there was that I needed to do more. And, um, by the, you know, by the time I was in my mid fifties, you know, thankfully I had earned some money to put all my, my kids through school and, um, have a little bit of, you know, savings in the bank. Um, and I intentionally retired with the idea of, you know, I'd, I'd love to do something in the nonprofit world. And, um, mm-hmm you know, have a second career, you know, and maybe the next, the, the following 10 years where how could I do something where I give something back to the community, um, you know, really to sh- be able to share some of the blessings that I was given. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that part of that weight on me, you know, the, my, my sister Kathy that I mentioned earlier had this genetic disease, which is, you know, so everyone in our family had a 20, it was a recessive gene from mom and dad. And so everyone had a 25% chance of having the same special needs disorder. Um, and, you know, Kathy was the first one in my family. Uh, you know, my mom and dad went on to have four more kids, even though that was a risk uh, of others of us getting special needs. So I always felt that God had a message for me in that, that okay, he spared me from that genetic disease but he's kind of saying, all right, I, I've got some great expectations of you. Um, and actually where a lot of this, can, we were blessed and lucky enough to go on a pilgrimage with 10 other couples to the Holy Land. Um, 
And I, this was just after I had retired from Wall Street. And I was in the Church of the Transfiguration and oh, one of praying, to, yeah. you know, asking God, like, what's next for me? I'd really love to find something where I can do something to help, uh, you know, to help our community. And I walked out of the church and went and sat down on the bus next to Nancy Murphy. Many of you know Nancy and John Murphy were on this trip. Nancy was on the board of Catholic Charities. And Nancy says, you know what? We're, we're just starting a search for the executive director of Catholic Charities. Um, and I heard you're interested in the nonprofit world, and I think you'd be perfect for this job. Um, now, of course, there was a search, and then right away, but I think that was a message from God, too. Here I was in you know, the Church of the Transfiguration asking God for help. And the minute I walk out of the church, there's Nancy um, asking if this is something I'd be interested in. And um, so thankfully, somehow after a long search, they uh, and, and with your approval, uh, somehow I was selected. So, oh, uh, well, I mean, this uh, without a doubt, you are um, the man to do this. But you also asked what, you know, the other part of the question yeah. was what's interesting and, you know, what do you like? What do you don't like? I mean, mm-hmm. um, it's, it, you know, it's certainly a totally different world than Wall Street coming from Wall Street to a nonprofit agency, you know, based in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And, um, you know, so many blessings that the two I'd really love to mention is just um, such an amazing group of people that I get to work with every day at Catholic Charities. And these are people that, you know, they're not doing this work because they expect to become wealthy. These are people that come in and do this work every day because they really enjoy and want to help other people. And, and, you know, the way the world works, uh, I, I managed a big team on Wall Street and, you know, year end, there's always bonus time on Wall Street. And at times I would, you know, go through year end and pay people a tremendous amount of money. And most of them would come out saying, oh, it's not enough. And I think, you know, I deserve more than this person. And how could I get paid this? And now I work with a team of people who make tremendous amount, a significantly less amount of money. And, you know, if I can get them a two or three or 4% cost of living increase or bonus at year end, they're all thanking me because they have the opportunity to do such amazing work each and every day. So that part is really a blessing. And also, I guess like you, Bishop Frank, I actually have a front row seat to all the kindness and goodness of so many of the people across Mm -hmm. the diocese. Mm -hmm. You know, the pandemic hit and (laughs) I, I took this job really just at the beginning of December of 2019, really got started in January 2020, and the pandemic hit a couple months later. So I was just getting used to, you know, where the bathroom was and who all the people were, and uh, the pandemic hits, and the demand for everything that we do doubled and tripled, you know, overnight, and I just, you know, didn't know how we would survive But so many people called and stepped up and said, how can I help? Can I volunteer? Can we make sandwiches at home? What can we do? And during that period, um, you know, what certainly helped, well, a lot of things were closed. So, you know, the the arts were closed. The library was closed. The nature center was closed. But Catholic Charities, we stayed open the entire time helping people in need. And thanks to all the generosity and the volunteers, our donations went up more than 50% during that period of time. So we 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 didn't know how we would get through it, but there's so much 
goodness and generosity. You know, we live in a time where everybody tells you about all the negative things in the world, but um, I'm blessed to see all the generosity and all the good people who donate their time and their energy and their talent. And uh, well, well, you know, Mike, so for those who are listening, um, they may not know all of the services and the scope and breadth and depth of what Catholic Charities does. So why don't you give us like the two minute summary? When you say Catholic Charities, what exactly does, does that include? Sure. That's a good question. And, uh, you know, when I took over, I was, you know, it, it does frustrate me that um, a lot of people across the diocese don't really have a great idea of what Catholic Charities does. So we're, we're trying hard to correct that, but uh, hopefully this will help too for all of your listeners. So hopefully most people know that, you know, starting in 1916, Catholic Charities has been providing social services across the diocese. One of the things that all Catholics should be proud of, if you were to take all the Catholic charities around the state of Connecticut and look at all the services we provide, we believe nobody provides more services, social services around the state than Catholic charities. So really only the state of Connecticut provides more. And Bishop, if you were to try to add up, then that's just Catholic charities. Imagine if you could add up all the work that all of our parishes do. So if you take all of our parishes plus Catholic charities, it's an amazing amount of social services and something we as Catholics should be proud of. You know, mm-hmm. that there's lots of people that love to complain about things we do wrong in the church, but really oh. nobody across the globe. Look at my desk. Yes, they do. They yes. do. <laughs> yes. But that's something we should all be proud of. And it's just a lot of us working together. And, you know, so our mission is to just to help the needy and the vulnerable of of all faiths. So we don't just serve Catholics. We, we serve anybody of all faiths. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to help people to permanently improve their lives, hopefully to provide supportive services that enable families to rise up out of poverty and overcome barriers. And the hope is that we can help people achieve self-sufficiency and independence. We like to talk about ourselves as being the agency of the hand up, not the handout, right? How do we give people that hand up? And so the, you know, the basic areas where we're, we're one of the biggest providers around the diocese of food and nutrition. We run a number of soup kitchens and food pantries. Uh, we provide meals on wheels for homebound elderly uh, around Fairfield County. We're a big provider of mental health counseling. I hope we can talk a little bit about that later. We have a, a number of homeless outreach programs in all the major urban areas. We have housing case management to help the homeless as they move into housing and try to help them find housing. We provide immigration legal assistance. Um, there's a tremendous number of immigrants um, who are struggling uh, and, and we try to help them in terms, of in, in terms of obtaining green cards and getting them on the path to citizenship. For years, we've been a major uh, provider of adoption services um, mm-hmm. where we can hopefully find permanent families for children who can't be cared for by their biological parents or assist com- couples um, to become parents via adoption. And that's one of the biggest surprises to me as I go around the diocese, people will come up to me and look at me eye and say, I got to thank you at Catholic Charities. You helped bring my son to me 25 years ago. And now he's in college or now he's a lawyer or now he's a doctor. Uh, so that's something we've done for years. We, we run a pre- preschool education program Room to Grow Preschool in Norwalk. 
We have financial education and, and loans programs by our family loan program. We have a community advocacy program. So we, we have a, n- a number of, uh, uh, of services that help people in need uh, across the diocese. Right. So Mike, how many people actually work for you in Catholic Charities in all these different divisions? So we have 150 employees. Um, 150 to do everything you just described. Yes, but we couldn't do we couldn't do many of the things that we do without all the volunteers across exactly. the diocese. So right. we have thousands of volunteers. Um, right. Mm-hmm. You know, probably the biggest source of volunteers is at our soup kitchens mm-hmm. with all the food drives we do, serving meals each and every day. That happened. It was beautiful all during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. When we couldn't have people inside the soup kitchens, you know, the demand increased by, you know, three and four times the need for mm-hmm. for food and mm-hmm. meals. Mm-hmm. But families would make meals at home and come and drop them off to us at the New Covenant mm-hmm. Center or the Tom, mm-hmm. Thomas Merton Center or mm-hmm. Morning Glory. So, yes, we have 150 employees who work very, very hard each mm-hmm. and every day. It's just a fantastic team. But we, we also couldn't mm-hmm. do it without uh, all the volunteer support. So, Mike, uh, we're going to go on to a break in just a second, but just a quick question. So every year, how much money do you have to raise just to keep our services going? Give us a ballpark figure. Yes, that's a good question. Our our annual budget is about $13 million. Approximately half of that come from some programs, mostly mental health programs that are funded by the government. Mm-hmm. But the balance we have to raise individually. So it's, you know... So it approaches six million dollars each and every, every year. year, and we unfortunately don't have much of an endowment. So we really depend on the right. generosity of uh, mm-hmm. all those folks out there mm-hmm. across the diocese. So my last question before break: So if a person is listening, saying, "I want to financially help Catholic charities," I don't know how. How does that person do that? Like today, when they hear this podcast, what would they do? Call me immediately, and I'll I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to talk to you. Now, certainly they could go to ccfairfield.org. That's our, uh, that's our website, certainly, ccfairfield.org, which is Catholic Charities mm-hmm. Fairfield. And, and people can donate in various different ways. If somebody wants to support mental health, they can do that. They want to support mm-hmm. food, they can do that. Mm-hmm. They want to support our immigration programs, they can do that. Uh, and we'd be happy to talk to anybody that wants more information mm-hmm. about how they could... Uh, help us provide some support in any way. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. And we'll get into some of the details on the other side of the break. This is Let Me Be Frank. His Excellency is speaking with Mike Donahue, the Executive Director of Catholic Charities of Fairfield County. We'll be right back. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. 
Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. His Excellency Bishop Frank Caggiano is speaking with Mike Donahue, the Executive Director of Catholic Charities here in Fairfield County. Excellency? Yeah, I, you know, our listeners know that I very rarely raise the question of donations and money in, in, with any of our guests. But for you, Mike, in particular, I think it's fair to say, and you could, you could explain it to us even further, that the needs that Catholic Charities addresses continues to grow. The needs grow. One would think coming out of COVID, but but the, that had, has had a minimal effect on the fact that more and more people are being left behind. So would you speak to that a bit? What are you seeing from your vantage point? Sure. Yes, I'd, I'd be happy to speak about that. And and you're so right, Bishop, the need just continues to grow. So, you know, COVID was difficult for everybody, but in some ways for the wealthy members across the, the diocese, you know, COVID wasn't so bad. The stock market went up, housing prices went up. Um, but for all those on the on the lower end of the economic spectrum, uh, they're just getting hurt more and more, mainly because of the inflation. Um, uh, you know, housing prices, rental prices have, have gone up significantly uh, over the last two to three years. And cost for everything, food, gas, uh, you know, groceries, rent has, has just spiraled out of control. You know, imagine making $15 an hour in Fairfield County. Mm -hmm. And we encounter families all the time that are working really hard, working two jobs, just struggling to make ends meet, and they can barely pay their rent and they don't know where to go for food. And so one of the things that I'm not proud of, and I know most of our listeners, listeners are not, you know, Fairfield County is number one in the nation in income inequality. And for my seat, that gap has only widened over the course of the last, uh, you know, the last couple of years due to the, you know, the rising costs of, of so many things. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so there, there's just lots of hardworking folks out there that are trying to make mm -hmm. ends meet. And, you know, sometimes there's the narrative, well, they, you know, they just have to work harder and they just have to keep, you know, um, you know, I, I I was successful because I worked harder than others. And while that's true, I think we don't know until you walk in somebody else's shoes, you never know what they're going through. And so many families, if, you know, they, many of us grew up in a family where there was a lot of love and a lot of a close family. But if you grew up in a family where there was domestic violence or drug abuse or alcohol abuse, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of families mm -hmm that grown up in poverty and they're trying really hard. And, and our job is right. to 
to try to help those families that want to help themselves, right. to give them that to, hand up. May I, may I, I'm going to illustrate something to, 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 I think, give even greater proof, evidence to what you're talking about. I remember having a meeting years ago, even before COVID, with the superintendent of schools in the city of Bridgeport. And in that conversation, the superintendent made the observation that while the truancy rate among high schoolers in public school in Bridgeport is very high, she said, you need to understand the reasons behind that. Because many of our high schoolers, juniors and seniors, are not going to school because they are getting jobs in McDonald's and Burger King and other places to supplement their parents' income because there's just not enough money to keep food on the table. So when you consider that, then they're creating a system, right, where these young people are being denied the studies that they should have to meet an immediate need, but putting them at a disadvantage for their futures. So you're just perpetuating the situation because the need is so dramatic, right? And I have never forgotten that conversation. So when people say they're just lazy, that you got to look deeper into people's lives to see what's really going on. And these young people are not maliciously not going to school. They're just trying to make sure that their siblings and their parents, that that they can survive. <laughs> right. Isn't that sobering? It's very sobering. And you think about it, we just met with a client last week. I mean, imagine being in Fairfield County if you couldn't afford a car. You know, how do you get around? Well, you got to take the bus everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we met with this family, this uh, was the dad with a couple of kids, and he... Um, you know, he had he had a job where he was working hard trying to take care of his family, but he couldn't uh, couldn't afford a car. So he was taking Ubers back and forth to work. And by oh, the wow. time the cost of the Ubers less of, you know, when you take that his salary after the cost, of, he was not bringing much home. So we met with him, worked for them on his finances. We're actually able to lend him money to buy a car. And, and now he's working two jobs. And his life has been transformed because he now has transportation. They can take their kids right. To, right. to events, to childcare. And, and this gentleman wanted to work hard, but it was very difficult for him to get to work. It's right. a similar kind of thing. That's Exactly right. That this, exactly. Many of these folks are, are not lazy in any way. They, they want the American dream just as bad as all the rest of right. us do. Right, right. Now, let me say this. Let's segue to something else that, that you're doing that I think is extraordinarily important. You and I and the pastors of Bridgeport and so many other good people who have supported Thomas Merton for many years, we were at the groundbreaking and blessing of the new Thomas Merton facility, much larger, which is not only benefiting Thomas Merton, but it's a whole new strategic vision for Catholic charities, right? So tell us what it is that you are giving birth to there and hopefully duplicating elsewhere. Sure, I'd love to talk about that. Thank you, Bishop. And thank you for your help and support of, of what we're doing at Merton. So many of you may know, hopefully, that um, the Thomas Merton Center is in its 49th year of serving the, you know, the chronically homeless, the working poor, the formerly incarcerated, the mentally ill members of the Bridgeport community. And, you know, we're the largest daily soup kitchen, food pantry, day shelter in Bridgeport. So Merton's a fantastic facility and such a family and great people who work there and volunteers who help us. But I've always felt 
you know, look, it's great that we're feeding people because nobody should go hungry, right? In Fairfield County, with all the wealth that's here, how can we not have food to serve everyone in need? But on the flip side, if two years from now, we're still feeding the same 200 people, then to some extent we failed, right? We as Catholic Charities, how do we find a way to work with those folks to get them other services that they need? And so this is what we're doing in Bridgeport, but it's part of the whole strategic plan for Catholic Charities mm -hmm. to create this whole family center model where we, we create these facilities where we can provide a variety of services to the folks in need. And so, you know, Merton is the pilot project. And what we did there is that we sat down with our guests at the Merton Center to find out, you know, we had good ideas, but we said, okay, let's, what are the things that you really need that are impeding your success that could help you get to a better place? And there were four things that really came back. Now, of course, food was important. And then the, the new Merton Center, you know, we're moving about a mile away to 1406 State Street. The current facility has 5,500 square feet. The new facility, when it's remodeled, will have uh, almost 13,000 square feet. So, so what extra services could we provide? In addition, we'll still have the food soup kitchen, daily soup kitchen, serving meals. The food pantry serves over 500 families a month, uh, showers, day shelter. But what, what our clients said to us, what they really needed was health care. Uh, the majority of the folks that come in to see us never get regular primary health care. Behavioral health, mental health counseling, dental care, um, immigration legal services, housing assistance, job training. Those were the four things that came back. So we've put the, as we put the new Merton Center together, uh, we've partnered with uh, Southwest Community Health. So Southwest Community Health is the local federally qualified health clinic that serves the Bridgeport area. And they've been chartered by the government really to help provide medical, primary medical care services to really the same clientele that we see, the unemployed, the uninsured, the undocumented. Because what happens is if those folks don't get regular medical care, they end up in the emergency room and it often is too late for those individuals and it ends up costing the system a lot more. So we're now gonna have a full-fledged medical clinic run by Southwest on the second floor of the new Merton Center building, providing this primary medical care, behavioral health care, and dental care. And then we're moving a lot of other Catholic charity services there. Our immigration legal services team will be moved to the, to the Thomas Merton Center. So any immigrant family that has questions about the process of getting a green card and qualifying for citizenship can come to the Merton Center. And hopefully those immigrant families can then all take advantage of, of other services that we provide. We'll have housing case managers there. We're going to have financial literacy training with some partners. Um, we have a vocational training partnership with Housatonic Community College and hopefully some partnerships with Bellarmine once they're up and running because Father Kevin O'Brien is on our board. Uh, we've partnered, we have some partners that are going to come in and do job training classes where we can do some, uh, you know, the, the current Thomas Merton, the new Thomas Merton Center will have a brand new commercial kitchen. So we'll be able to train people to be cooks and waiters and waitresses. We're going to have ESL classes. We've also formed a partnership with uh, St. Joseph's Parenting Center. So the whole idea is that, you know, Catholic Charities and the diocese is making a big investment to, to bring 
this family center to Bridgeport. Um, in the end, it's going to cost us about five and a half million dollars to put this all together. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's hopefully going to be a visible place where people realize that this is a place that they can come to get help. As I said at the groundbreaking, you know, we're often the first place that people come when they run into trouble. Because if they're struggling, you know, we're a place that they can go to get food. So we're sort of the entry point of the social service system often. So we feed them. But then the next step is that we can then provide this variety of services mm -hmm. across mm -hmm. the diocese. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and, and the hope is over time that we're going to be able to do this in the four major urban areas across the diocese, you know, first in Bridgeport, but also Norwalk, Stanford, Danbury. And we're, mm -hmm. as you know, Bishop working on a building in Danbury that would allow us to consolidate all our yep. operations. So there. they're number two. Danbury's number two. Hopefully number two, yes. And um, okay. we're still negotiating to buy the building. We'll see how that goes. But uh, and then of course in Stanford, a lot of those similar services are provided out of New Covenant Center. Uh -huh. We need to be able to expand that or get some more space there, but uh, that's the hope. Uh -huh. And then we're working with St. Thomas the Apostle Church to hopefully create something. Uh, we rent space from that, that parish that's now our room to grow preschool. And the other side of that building was the former Malta House, but we hope we can eventually turn that into a, another Catholic Charity Service Center. Right. So it, it respects one of the basic principles of Catholic social teaching is that we respect the human person in his or her integrity. So it's not just feeding them, but also attending to their physical needs, their health needs, their mental health needs, their psychological needs, right? You see the person as the person really is. Interesting thing is, um, how about the spiritual needs? So, Something we should talk about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, but I have, I have great hopes there too, because mm -hmm. um, you know the Bridgeport pastors have been have been strong supporters. So we had all of them there for the groundbreaking ceremony. Yeah, that itself is historic. <laughs> they're all in one place, and Virginia was good. historic. That was good. Yeah, but, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have some large meeting rooms in the new facility that we hope uh -huh. that the Bridgeport parishes can use for spiritual talks and for. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, again, I mentioned we, we're working with St. Joseph's Parenting Center where they can maybe mm -hmm. come in and mm -hmm. provide mm -hmm. some parenting classes. But, mm -hmm. but I really also hope that the new Merton Center can be a place where, you know, maybe young people can meet. Um, you know, there, there's a couple of things. Many young people, we've talked about this, uh, also believe in service. You know, and I, I think it's a great way to learn the faith and experience the faith through service. So to bring young people together to make meals and provide service. But then after that, you know, after they get to come together to make a, a meal, maybe they get together for a spiritual talk or, you know, sure. um, or just spirituality on tap or one of those kinds of things. Or faith sharing or just, you know, to explore the depth of the meaning of what they did. You mentioned young people. So I have another question I need to ask you. You know, my sense is that young people in particular have come out of COVID with a lot, not all, but a good number of them with a lot of baggage that has affected their mental health, right? In some sense, 
the isolation of COVID, the uncertainty of COVID. I mean, we, I, I'm an old, I'm old. And when COVID started, you had the sense that, is this like the end of the world? Like, is this really going to spin into a catastrophe? And, and so could you imagine if you're 10 years old dealing with that and all the uncertainty and thinking to yourself, is this like the beginning of the end kind of thing? So the isolation, the uncertainty, the anxiety, and not to get political, but you see some of this worked out in what's going on in the world, that people are lashing out, people are just attacking people randomly. I just see this as just manifestations of some underlying issues. So now why do I say all that? Is because I want you to, to fill in our, our listeners about the mental health services Catholic Charities provides, especially for young people, right? Because Catholic Charities is at the forefront of that, even though it's extremely expensive, right? We haven't abandoned that. So Mike, speak to that. No, thank you, Bishop. I'd love to. And and I, I agree. I, I think coming out of COVID, uh, so, so many of our young people are struggling. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the suicide uh, rates are up. Uh, there's just, I don't know, when young people see adults fighting, whether it's political, whether it's all these things, you know, that that's unsettling. I can't imagine trying to go to school over Zoom, which, uh, you know, we all need socialization. And, and a lot of that was taken away. You know, you, you think about all the young people who, whether they were in high school or college, who missed their, you know, their proms and there's, you know, all, all these events that, that people just missed that you don't, you don't ever get back. Um, and, and I think social media has a lot to do with that, too, unfortunately, that, um, you know, people only post the, the fantastic things that are happening in their lives. And whenever they do that, other people feel left out. So anyway, we are seeing a significant increase in just anxiety and depression, and especially in young people. And very appropriate, you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, and and uh, very happy to discuss the, the our mental health counseling program that we've sort of rebranded our new outlook, uh, mental health counseling. Um, and I, I just think it's so important. Uh, the, the one good thing I think, you know, back when we were growing up, uh, there was always a stigma associated with mm -hmm. going for any sort of counseling. If anybody in any family had mental health issues, it was always something people kept quiet or didn't want the neighbors to know about or whatever. Now, I do find young people are much more willing to talk about and address mental health issues, just like it's a cold or a sore throat and it's something that really needs to be dealt with. But um, <clears throat> so, you know, at Catholic Charities, we have a 50 year history of providing affordable and accessible mental health counseling services. And we, you know, we have our main offices are in Danbury and in Norwalk, but via telehealth, we can help anyone around the diocese. Um, I, I, and again, we, we help anyone who has need. So I think sometimes people think, well, Catholic Charities mental health counseling is only for people who are poor or struggling. And yes, we can provide those. We, we take all forms of insurance. We take, you know, many counselors don't take Medicaid. We take Medicaid. We work with people who are uninsured to try to put something together. But we can also provide those services to lots of other people, not including, you know, people who are considered poor. Um, what's really distressed me quite a bit is that, you know, mental health counseling is now almost getting to be something that is only accessible to the wealthy. So what's happened is there's not enough mental health counselors 
in our community. So the social workers are wonderful and they, they do fantastic work. Coming out of COVID, there's a lot of demand for their services. So what's happened in certain places, in certain wealthier towns around the county, um, you know, counselors are charging $500 an hour and not taking insurance. So they say, okay. $500 you an hour? Yes. Really? And, you know, in some places, if little Johnny or little Susie needs counseling in a wealthy they'll area and, and people are struggling, they'll pay whatever it takes. Wow. And, you know, so many social workers are going into private practice where they can get get paid big dollars to do that. And um, I guess I'm not begrudging those social workers to, to some extent, but uh, I hear all kinds of stories of people who have kids, teens, young people who need help and they call around to counseling services and there's often a two, three, four month wait for services. Um, Which could be too late. You know, at Catholic Charities, we are open and ready to help people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we do... (laughs) You know, we may have a, a two-day or three-day or one-week wait, but there's no three, four-month wait. Um, and we're happy to work with, with anybody throughout the spectrum. And, um, you know, if people have, and anybody who's listening, if you know anybody that's struggling with mental health issues, you have somebody in your family that's struggling, go to ccfairfield.org and go to our mental health counseling. You can reach out and connect with our counseling office either via email or via phone, and we're happy to help. But mm-hmm. That's you know, great we, to know. We, if people are know. suffering from anxiety and depression, they need to do something about it rather than wait until right. things until it's too late. Right. right. It's like nothing. You know, the point about the stigma is very well taken. And I remember that when I was a boy. You, you never spoke about any of that stuff ever. But it's no different than physical health. If you have a physical condition and you ignore it, it becomes more and more severe and harder and harder to treat. Same with mental health. If you ignore the signs and you leave it be, you can get to the point where the intervention has to be dramatic when if you had acted a month, a, a year earlier, for it would not have been as dramatic, right? So exactly. Well, that's very good news, right? That Charities is able to do that. And once again, something that we are proud of that we offer to anyone in need, anyone can come. Yes. All right, so now I have a very complicated question. You ready? Okay. okay. And this takes you outside of your mission, I think. But okay. it's inside the church's mission. And that is, we as a church are committed to bring the kingdom of God one person at a time, as much as we can, into, into our midst until the Lord heals what we cannot heal. And you're doing a phenomenal job. But a lot of what you've described, my friend, is because of the systems we have created or tolerate that continually perpetuate these inequalities, these structures, in some cases, discrimination, and so many racism, so many other things that we've talked about over and over again. And we need to come to a point where people of faith, and not just Catholics, but people of faith, but particularly Catholic Christians, All their organizations and institutions have to start asking some hard questions about the systems that continue to create this situation in people's lives. Now, I don't think it's specific to Catholic charities, but you're at the front line of that, I think, trying to. So what's your thoughts about that? 
personal thoughts about that? Yeah, it's complicated. It's it's complicated. And Steve tells me I have two minutes. Um, <laughs> the uh, gosh, it you know. So uh, I don't know. There's there's so many different things that uh, that really go into this. Um, but you know, housing is is a big part. It's the state of Connecticut is twenty five thousand units short on on housing, and um, you know, poor people all get kind of pushed to the same neighborhoods, which then, you know, creates much more difficulty. Um, you know, zoning rules, I'm, I've been involved in a lot of these things. Um, you know, nobody, everybody agrees we need affordable housing, but nobody wants it anywhere near their home, right? <laughs> and and somehow the zoning rules kind of uh, perpetuate that, right? And that um, right. You know, low-income housing in some, some areas, you know, is still very expensive, you know, if it's Greenwich and Canaan or Darien or some of those other places, uh, you know, our immigration system is badly, badly in need of being Before. repaired. Um, you know, neither Democratic or no Republican administrations have been able to address it or figure it out. And, you know, we get complaints from time to time. It's like, you're not helping immigrants, are you? And, and you know, look, my response to that is, we don't make immigration policy. The, the government kind of decides who gets let in and let is not let in. But when they show up at our doorstep, they're human beings and they're children of God. And Amen. so if they show up, I don't ask them for their card as a U.S. citizen. If they're hungry or they're homeless, our, our job is to help them. Um, and and what, we have a Jesus major would problem. Do. Right? I mean, what would Jesus have done, Mike? Excuse me for interrupting. Jesus in the Gospels didn't say, by the way, tell me if you're you're a God-fearing, Sabbath-observing, tithing, uh, faithful Jew, and I'll, and I'll help you. He didn't do that. No, Jesus always hung out with the, you know, the tax collectors, the renegades, the... the my former yeah. friends. Yeah, all those, my, basically. All <laughs> the exactly. exactly. Those are the people yeah. we hang out with all the time. And... Right. Uh, Again, we. I wish I had an easy answer, but the systems need yeah. to change to exactly, exactly be fairer to those who you know grow up in much more difficult circumstances. I think but we're going to have a podcast in the future where a few of us are going to and really talk about this, not because we're going to solve it in a podcast, but just to raise people's ask questions that so people can start thinking. Yes, right. That's but the I, first step. I mean, I don't believe the answer is handouts because mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of this through the, some of the government programs that we observe where when people are given money, they don't learn how to earn it. And they don't. And so right. so we need to find ways to give people a hand up. And that's what we're trying right. to do each and every day. At Catholic right. Charities. Right. Well done. Yeah, this is a huge topic of conversation because mm -hmm. uh, it also involved is um, families and in being intact and all that. But. We should definitely do this at a, on a future on a future mm -hmm. show, Excellency. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but we do need to take a break. So, this is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. His Excellency has been speaking with Mike Donahue, the Executive Director of Catholic Charities here in Fairfield County, and we'll be back with a listener question. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. All right, Excellency, um, <laughs> I like this question. Okay, it says. Uh, Hi, Steve. Thank you for letting me be frank. It's a blessing to me. I'm just curious to ask the bishop if he has advice on how to keep kids engaged in the faith over the summer 
with no school and no CCD? And also, does Bishop Frank have anything fun planned for the summer? Thank you and God bless you. Oh, the first part is easy. I think lots of parishes in our diocese have summer Bible camp and activities for young people. Here you have Veritas, right? There's the uh, camp, the camp, right? By, run by, uh, 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 what is it, uh, Ryan? Ryan Young. Mm-hmm. Ryan Young. There's lots of things. And I think you have to uh, see for two things. First, kids need to relax and rest. We don't have to overprogram them, but you want to keep their eyes focused on the things of faith. So those are the sort of things I would highly recommend. As for me personally, my definition of fun is very different from everybody else's definition. <laughs> okay. And this may be why I need mental health, possibly, <laughs> Mike. I may be calling your hotline <laughs> not to just the future. But Please do. Uh, I'm lined up because it's the fourth year in the cycle. So this year, for nine days, I'm going to repaint the entire apartment. One one room at a time, and I absolutely love it. It's okay. you have a sense of satisfaction. It's just everything is clean. Then you could have barbecue, go out with friends at night. It's just that's my Ruber is not my dear fun. That's my dear fun, and that's what I'm doing this summer. Sounds like a blast, Excellency. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, if you don't mind, I'll also add. There are lots of places where you can take your family lo- not too far away for like a, a mini day trip slash pilgrimage retreat, like Stockbridge, Massachusetts, or Litchfield, mm-hmm. Lords in Litchfield, mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And lots of great movies to watch. Yes. And lots that of great radio to listen to. Exactly. That goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you have a question for Bishop Frank, send it in on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Foundations in Faith. A grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport. And you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. Mike Donahue, thank you for everything that you do and uh, for being here with us today. Without a doubt. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Bishop Frank. It's been an honor and a blessing to be with uh, both of you. So thank you and have a great day. Mike, and everybody, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, Mike, you're doing a phenomenal job. You really are. You're too kind. You've taken, thank you, Bishop. No, no, it's the truth. It's the truth. And just what you just described, you've taken Catholic Charities to the a, a whole nother level of effectiveness and presence in the community. No, I'm, I'm deeply grateful for everything that you're doing. And just to give you a plug, Steve wants to give you a plug. I'm going to give it first. People, Thomas Merton, this huge project you're working on. I'm listening and saying, I want to help financially this project. Where do people go? Same website? Same, same. ccfairfield.org. Um, happy to give anyone a tour of the new facility and, and really show them uh, great work that we're doing. Great. Awesome. Excellency, before we go, would you please give us your blessing? Oh, sure. Of course. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, our God, send your Holy Spirit down upon all who are listening to us, most especially upon Mike and all those who are involved in Catholic Charities, for they are your hands and feet and voice in the world. Bless their work and bless all those whom they serve. And keep us always faithful to you, Lord. 
For we ask this as we ask all things in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, my friends. Mike, I will see you soon. Steve, I'll see you next week. Bye.